All right, we're going to continue today in the book of Acts, chapter 1. A few things I want us to think about first. Uh, we, we have, I think we still have the poster up, for, um, for Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Most of us in this room know where Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to. It goes to foreign missions. We have about 5,000 foreign missionaries on the field, and we get to support those guys. We as Baptists, we as Southern Baptists, not just Baptists, Southern Baptists, have had since 1925 what we call a cooperative program where we put all of our money in a big pot. We send missionaries all over the world as they feel led to go. And so we have a, <coughs> a small prayer guide for that. Part of the reason of that is many, many, many of our missionaries are in places that Christianity is not welcome. And so you'll see on that, on that prayer list sometimes just initials. And so uh, and sometimes those initials are even made up. So there are places in the world that are dangerous. We need, to, we need to remember that with our missionaries. They are all over the world. I've got good friends of mine that are, that are missionaries, and they do things like they're teaching, uh, teaching them how to build bicycles. For those, those that were invalids and so on and so forth, they, they, have just, they just get chunked in the street at the, at the country they're in, and so they've taught these guys how to weld and how to put together a bicycle that, that they can pedal with their hands. And, uh, and because of that, they're able to get work and, and deliver stuff and so on and so forth. So um, there's story after story that's going on with that. Also, back at the back, we have these little, I guess they call them a prayer tent, but these little uh, prayer reminders, and it's for home missions. And, and here in a few minutes at the business meeting, we're going to set the goal for, for home missions, our home mission offering this year, which is called Andy Armstrong. Uh, right now, we're, we're praying for Dom and Megan Grotty. They are chaplains in the Army. And so we have all these home missionaries. Again, we have about 5,000 home missionaries that we support through uh, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. They also get support from the Southern Baptist Convention. The Lottie Moon and the Annie Armstrong offering goes for stuff that they need more than it does their salary. We've, we've got the salaries uh, through our cooperative giving. This year we were able to... to Meet our goal of 2,500. I believe we are 2,556 somewhere in there. Uh, so we're we have given 7,556 dollars to to um, foreign missions. And so pray for those missionaries. It's important. Why why am I bringing that up? Because because today we're going to be talking about how revival comes in a church. How does how does God move in the in the in people's lives? How does how does that happen? I I want to read an excerpt from you for you. In the early 1920s, evangelist Sid Williams preached a revival at First Baptist Church of Peacock. Sidney Johnson Williams, the celebrated Baptist evangelist, is, is continuing to stir up the saints and sinners in, in this city in powerful sermons. The, the good man has his coat off and is working, is working with his body and soul day and night for salvation of sinners. More than 100 baptized. 1931. I went for a revival to the First Baptist Church of Peacock, a little town in West Texas locked in the clutches of a terrible drought. Crops were ruined, tanks were dry, pastors were in a place of, of, as barren as the floor. As one drove down the lane, he could smell dead cattle. My heart was burdened for this barren country. I felt that God wanted to show his power, so I promised, that God, as, I promised God that as soon as the Christians began to show concern for their sins and their lost loved ones, I would call a meeting of confession and prayer, begging God to send rain. The end of that was they got together, prayed. Two o'clock in the afternoon, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and all of a sudden clouds showed up, and it blew down their tent of meeting, and 
blew out the windows at, in the in the stores uptown, and rain came. The rain came. That was from evangelist John R. Rice. I bring that up because that's where we're at today. For for one thing, our world has denied the power of our God. But who's He? We, we studied in Sunday school this morning. What's he going to hold me accountable for? Why is he letting all this stuff happen? Guys, God is still the same today as he was in 1920 and 1931. Same God. Same God. He, he says, I'll draw all men to me if I be lifted up. Draw all men to me. I want you to think about Stonewall County. Just in the last 10 or 15 years, we've got people from Minnesota. We've got people from... California, we've got people from, uh, I don't even know where the, the, the guys that run the donut shop are from, but they're, we've got people from basically all over the world in Stonewall County. We've got people moving in all the time. I don't know if you've realized that, but there are all kinds of new people, hunters, some of them just come to hunt and so on and so forth. Did you know hunters need Jesus too? We've got all of these people around us, and, and I see the same thing in each one of them as, as I go around and, and visit with people. I saw it in my grandchildren's eyes yesterday. I see it in these young people's eyes when I visit with them on, on Wednesday nights and on, on Wednesday sometimes at CIA. I see a hunger, one of the things for truth. But I see a hunger that, that they know that they need something inside of them. They know that they need Jesus. They know that something's missing in their life. Wow, we've got an opportunity. I've been through, I've been a Baptist a long time, and I've been through just about, well, not just about every, because some of them I haven't, but lots and lots of programs. We love programs in Southern Baptist Convention, love programs. Almost as much as we love statistics, not quite, but almost. So we love programs, and so we have programs, Here's Hope, we have programs for Jesus videos, we have programs for this, we'll go knock every door in the place, and and share with them a Jesus video and share with them um, the Romans road will go share. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But most of the places that I have ever been and been a part of were missing one thing that I'm going to share with you today. It's the most important thing, I think, in this passage of, of Scripture in the book of Acts. We, we hear this all the time. We're a New Testament church. Well, they're not. The New Testament church had, had some real characteristics, but these guys didn't know how to do church. They had never done church before. Nobody had ever had church before. We're a New Testament church. We're a New Testament church in the fact that everything changes all the time. We have to adapt to those kinds of things. But we see this New Testament church idea that, that comes out, and, and it all is is brought about by here, first of all, the Holy Spirit has come. If you do not have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of your life today, you need to get that fixed. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You need to repent of your sins and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says He is faithful and just to do that. Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He fills you up on the inside. And so that's what happened in this first chapter of the, of the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 12 today. So it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk. First thing I thought of was, was how far is that? That is 4,000 feet. 
That was a legal Sabbath day walk. You could walk 4,000 feet. That's it. So the, the hill, the Mount of Olives, sits on just above Jerusalem. It's about maybe a half a mile, maybe not quite, down that hill. We, we were on the Mount of Olives when we got to go to Israel, and we walked down that hill, and there was a whole bunch of people walking with us down that hill to, to Jerusalem. So they walked from the Mount of Olives, which is up here, and went down into the valley and then came back up on the other side and went to Jerusalem, to the city. So that's where they're at. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. And they all joined together constantly. The word would say here, all day, in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. We find that there were 120 in that upper room in that day. And so they started praying. They ended up praying for 10 days straight. They fasted, and they prayed for 10 days straight. Have you ever thought about what they prayed for? I've heard lots and lots of sermons on this. This week, God just... Just opened up my heart. I thought about what did they pray for. One of the things was they were scared to death. I mean, Jesus had gone up in the clouds. He said, I'll come back again. I'll come back just like this. What are you doing standing around here, the, the angel said to them. So one thing, they're scared to death. What, what's going to happen now? Jesus is gone. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? What's going to happen in our lives? And I think somewhere in that, and I'm, I'm speculating here, but somewhere in that time of prayer, God started speaking. And I know he did because of the result that was at the end. But suddenly it went off of them. It, it's very important. The reason I brought up missions is because it's so important for us as a church not to look inside of us and worry about what's going on. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? But to look outside of us. As you go, therefore, Jesus said, make disciples. As you go, tell people about Jesus. As you go. At this time, about 30, 33 AD, there's about 247 million people in the world. That's less than in the United States, but that's how many people were in the world. That's an estimate, of course. This is the closest. When we see the day of Pentecost come, it's the closest in these first few years of the church that the world has ever been to being totally evangelized. Every single person hearing about this the gospel. And that's important because they don't have the media. They don't have all the things that we've got. They went on foot most everywhere they went. So you have 120 in this room. I want you to, to grasp that. You have 120 people in this room to reach 247 million people in the world. We have about 8 billion now, but think about how many Christians there are in the world right now. Wow. We've got an opportunity. You've got an opportunity. So for 10 days they prayed and fasted together and they started hungering. Somewhere in there the Holy Spirit started moving in their life. They started hungering. What does God want us to do now? Verse 15 says, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. So he goes through all of this, this deal with Judas. And then in verse 20, For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, 
May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. May another take his place of leadership. Why did they need 12? Have you ever thought about that? I, this week, that kind of blew my mind. Why? Why did they need 12? They had 11. Judas had was died. Why did they need 12? Because God said they needed 12. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's the number of perfect religion for one thing. There are 12 tribes. It's the number of, of God's dealing. The number of God is three and the number of man is four. And so you put those together. You got seven, that's perfection. And 12 is, a, is perfect religion. So you've got these 11 and they need another team member. Why? Because God knew that they needed to work together. So this Mattathias that they, they selected was not just anybody. He was somebody who had been around from the very beginning. Jesus didn't choose him as one of the 12, but now he did. Interesting. They cast lots. That would be like us taking a short straw. That would be like us trying to figure out who's eeny, meeny, miny, mo, if you will. It sounds ridiculous almost, but the truth is that God was in that. And God selected that Mattathias and raised him up to be one of the twelve. Peter stood up by the direction of the Holy Spirit. I believe God is waiting for us to do that. Every major revival that has ever started in the entire world started with this. Some people so concerned about doing what God has got them to do, they stayed till God answered. I've seen, I've seen revival, or at least pictures of revival. I've seen God move in such tremendous and awesome ways, even in First Baptist Church of Aspermont. Once uh, there, that the David Crane came in revival one time, and, and it was a youth led youth revival. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit moved, and you could feel Him. People started to repent. People started getting right with God and with each other. Amazing. Amazing. It's what happens in this little sequence. There's 120 of them in the upper room, and all of a sudden it says that they came to one accord in unity. They agreed, we want to do what God's got for us to do. It was a daunting task, 247 million they got to share with, but not just that, the government was after them, the Jews were after them. They were not well thought of. This message was not going to be well received. Sheila uh, told us earlier about Peter being in prison just because he was willing to share the gospel and nothing else. It's going to take some people of fortitude, courage, boldness, hunger, to be able to reach our world for Christ. It all starts with us. With us going before God in prayer. On our knees, on our face. Before holy God. Hungering to see Him move. Hungering to see Him move. Verse 23 says, So they proposed to me, and Joseph Sabbath, also known as Justice, and Matthias. They prayed 
Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you want to have chosen to take as the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. They cast lots, a lot fell on Mattathias, and so he was added to the 11 apostles. So that was, that was 50 days at this point. 50 days after the Passover. How do I know that? Because the feast of the Passover is coming. I mean, the feast of Pentecost is coming. 50 days after Passover. Pentecost celebrates the, the, the harvest in those days. Celebrate the, the crops that were coming in and the crops that they were going to be able to plant. Celebrate the crops. As they were praying and seeking and hungering 50 days after Passover, celebrating that harvest, they came together in one place and the Holy Spirit showed up. I believe that God is still in that business. I just believe that God is still in the business of showing up. It's going to take a willingness on our part. Jesus says in, in John chapter 4 that to the disciples as, as they were in Samaria and going through the Samaria, he said, open up your eyes. You, know, you, you say it's four months till the harvest, but I tell you that the fields are ripe for harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send you. There's not one of us when we leave this place today that are not missionaries of the Lord. What you do matters. How you do it matters. It's going to take us as a church, as God's people, and I'm not just talking about Peacock Baptist, it's going to take us as God's people to go before him with a hunger in our lives for other people. I was at Ashbramont and we had an old evangelist come another time that God moved and, and I don't remember his name. I just remember I was a youth minister and thought I knew it all probably. And here's this guy about 75 years old and he's over there and, and I just see him praying and and, and all of a sudden he started groaning and moaning. I thought he was going to die or something. But no, he was burdened about the people of Ashbermont. He was hungering, hungering to see God move. How desperately we need that in our lives. Guys, it is so easy for us to get caught up in the mundane things that are going on in our lives right now. Easy. Easy. And I know your lives are busy. I know that. Mine is too. But we're going to have to come to the place where we fall down before Almighty God and hunger for the lives of the people around us. Hunger to see people to come to know Jesus. Hunger for God to send us to those people. Hunger for Him to move. Hunger to see them come to know Him as Savior and Lord. Hunger to see life changed. Hunger to see God move like we've never seen before. We're going to have to want it more than life itself. I don't use this very often. 
this is the message. A guy named Eugene Peterson, Dr. Eugene Peterson. He's a Greek and Hebrew scholar. And he wrote this. It's not a translation. It's the Bible in contemporary language. That's what he calls it. He wrote this so that someone who had never seen a Bible before could pick it up and read it. Just read it. It's in contemporary English language. Read through it. Now, I don't agree with some of his interpretation in here. I don't agree with, with where he went on some things. But I understand his, his hunger to see people read the Bible. Most of you guys know Jeremiah 29, chapter 29. We, it's, it's written all over the place. Jeremiah 29, 12 says this in the message. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. And we all know that. Verse 13 says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. And it says, yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. That's God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries where I've driven you. That's God's decree. I'll bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. Guys, we have, a, we have an awesome God. We have good news to share. We have the answer for all of people's needs deep down in their soul. But we need to hunger for their very souls every day of our lives. I'm asking you to think about this prayer thing. I know that we talk about it all the time. It's just talking with God. Well, it's much more than that. We're talking to the God of the universe who can change things like that. It happened here. We're going to see it next week. It happened here. And it can happen in our lives. And it can happen in Stonewall County. And it can happen in the counties around you. It can happen in our state, in our country. But it's going to take God's people hungry to see a move from Him. Begging God to do something in our lives and with us. Would you be willing to do that today? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for who you are. Our God and our King, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, the lover of our souls the one true God of the universe, King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who's worthy of our praise, the one who is to be exalted above all others, the one who we are to make our God and no one else. I come before you today, Father. You know the hunger that's in my heart. To see people come to know you as Savior, Lord. To see people get their lives right with you. God, I know that all the busyness that we're about, all the things happening in our lives right now, but Father, I pray that we would understand that we've got to stop, be still, and allow you to speak to our hearts. And then give us the courage and the strength that we need to go and do what you've called us to do. I thank you for the witnesses before us, Father, that's happened right here in this church. I thank you for the witnesses that, that happened in our, in our Bible this first church, you use them to reach their world for you. Use us, Father. 
Use us in these moments. I give you praise for it, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you guys to think with me, to meditate just for a few moments on the Lord as Sheila plays a hymn of invitation for us. Are you right with God this morning? Do you know that you know you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? Would you allow Him to use you just like you use these first Christians? This song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Is that your cry this morning? No turning back. No matter what. Willing to pay the cost. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this time together. God, I pray that you would use us this week as we leave this place. Thank you for all things, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to have a business meeting quickly. Um, we need to decide a couple of things. First of all, you've got the financial report in your hand. 